Aloha, mamá. Sorry por responder hasta ahora. Estuve toda la tarde con mi unidad arreglando un helicóptero Black Hawk. Hawái es increíble. Luego te cuento más. Te quiero. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously. Shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de $25 al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Today is all about sleep. We share our personal tips and our mom fails, what worked and what didn't work for us as we helped our babies and ourselves get some rest. We read the books, we bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen, I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay. Because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. As parents, one of our most important priorities is making sure we provide our kids with the best education and upbringing possible. For many of us, this goes even one step further since we often want to give them the gift of language by teaching them Spanish as well. Research shows many advantages to bilingualism and experts agree on the benefits of exposing kids to multiple languages early on, citing that books are a highly effective tool for language acquisition. This is just one of the many reasons that one of our favorite brands for Victoria and Ford, Love Every, has launched books in Spanish, available to all Love Every subscribers as standalone sets. The Spanish books can be used to guide an individual child's bilingual learning or for story time in their first language. The books are created specifically for each child's age, including babies 0 to 12 months, 1-year-olds, and 2-year-olds. The Spanish book sets range from $27 to $40 and are available to subscribers at loveevery.com. Get some or gift some today. All right. This is a very important episode. For various reasons. Yes. So the first reason is because this is our season finale. Yes. So we are episode number 30. 30. Yeah. And like the point is, this is our season finale and I feel very proud of what we've accomplished. It started off as like a phone call and then a coffee date. I was like, I don't even really know you. <laughs> like, and now like it's this awesome friendship and an awesome podcast that I feel like has touched 
many, many people's lives. Um, I'm very proud. I'm very grateful too. And uh, I'm glad I was a little creeper and I stalked you and I asked that. you I love that. to join me on this little adventure that we didn't know where it was heading to, but I think it's heading the right direction. Yeah. And it's only going to be a very short it's break. A short break. Don't get scared. Remember, you could always go back and listen to a lot of the episodes. We're preparing for a big season two premiere. So we do want to know, like, what do you want for season two? So make sure to tell us that on Instagram. Yes. Um, so today's episode is actually in response to the most the most solicited (laughs) episode to talk about I don't know why we've been avoiding it for so long because it was actually the first one we put on our brainstorming list when we first had our first coffee before we even knew what our podcast was going to be called we knew that we had to do an episode about sleep but it was so rough because we're like this was the number one thing where we're like, oh my God, it's like we're this so huge different. monster and we didn't know like where to grab it from and how to approach yes. it and who do we invite to talk about it. Yeah. And in our first conversation about it, we quickly realized like, oh, we have very we're different, so different approaches. But with, that's so good, you know? So this is our episode about sleep. We are not going to give you, you know, professional advice. This is just our experience, what has worked and not worked for mm-hmm. us. Worked. Yeah, we're just going to be honest. This is the type of conversation I will have with their girlfriend, right? Yeah. Who's about to give birth yeah. and it's very nervous. I feel like this is the one topic too that worries new moms because of all the messaging that we receive. Yes. Oh, make sure you sleep now. You're never going to sleep again. It's not the same. A lot of my personal conversations that I have is people ask me like, okay, what did you do with Ford? Like, how is he sleeping now? You know, what worked, what didn't work? What do you regret doing? What do you wish you had done more of? Yeah. Now that we are experienced mommies, oh, you know, two years so and a year into our motherhood journey. Um, so we're just going to be honest and just share. But first, we will go into our motherish moment of the week. Uh, my motherish moment is that Victoria is now regressing at swim class and it's really tough. It was like, what, two weeks ago where I was like, she's killing it. She's and on it's her amazing. own. She was on her own, right? Like yeah. you guys weren't going in the pool with her yep. anymore. And now every time we go, she has a meltdown, doesn't want to go in the water. She just cries a lot. And like this week I forced her to go in with the instructor and I was like, you got to do it. And she cried for 25 minutes straight and it really sucks. Is that I, normal? I think it's normal. I have no I idea. Maybe the older she gets, the smarter she gets, she yeah. knows better. I don't know if it's normal, but I think what I have to do is kind of remain consistent, but without kind of turning this into like a traumatizing yeah, experience. Yeah, you don't want to force her into it. You want yeah. to enjoy the experience. But it sucks because she was learning. Does she, she like she going right to there. the pool normally when it's not loves swim the class? Pool. Okay. Yeah, loves the pool. And we are getting a pool. So like I need her to know how to swim. I mean, she's so little. You just... Come on, you're already two. Like, get it together, Victoria. <laughs> no, but yeah, anyways, that's been a challenge. Um, so my motherish moment of the week has to do with, so Ford learned to do besito, like, dale un besito, bye-bye. And I remember thinking when I will see other babies before I became a mother, parents or grandparents that will make their babies do stuff, like if they were like Toy, animals. Yes. Yeah. Like, and I was like, why are you forcing them? Like, oh, but it's so, you know, I didn't find it endearing. Now that my own child is doing besito on command, when like, I tell them to say do. bye to the people, I find it so cute and adorable. But I, it's just funny because I remember pre-mom Pamela was so judgy. Like, oh, you're so silly. Why are you forcing your child to like do these things? But now that he's doing it, it's cute. So he does besito. He does bye-bye. Adios. <laughs> She's like, I know. so here's so a list of all the tricks that he knows how to do. <laughs> it's just, it's cute. So he's doing besitos. And now when I drive off to work, crushes my heart. He like 
our, our nanny, I would have places him like by the glass window. Yeah. They move window by window as I'm driving, like I'm no, reversing no, the car. No, that's too much. I know. Mm-mm. And then the last door before I drive off to work is he stands kind of on it and kind of squeezes his little face into it and does besito onto the glass. It's horrible, but I love it. Aloha, mamá. ¿Dónde andas? <laughs> Seguro de compras. Tengo mucho que contarte. Hawaii es increíble. He estado de un lado a otro comunidad. Todos son súper talentosos. Ya reparamos otro helicóptero Blackhawk y oficialmente formamos nuestro equipo de fútbol. Para la próxima, te cuento cómo voy con el surf y me cuentas qué te pareció el podcast que te compartí. ¿Ok? Te quiero mucho. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. When something happens to your car, you might say... But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere AroPay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com. Okay, so like I started, so sleep. Why don't we start with first discussing what we thought or knew about sleeping before we gave birth? So before I gave birth, someone shared with me their login to the Taking Care of Babies sleep course. So that's like an online course that people sign up, you have to pay for it, and they give you tips on how to sleep. Yeah, she has like a program and it's basically a schedule. I think she was a labor and delivery nurse nurse, or maternity ward nurse or something. So I remember reading through it briefly and thinking I will cross that bridge when I get there. As with everything in my pregnancy, I didn't want to kind of oversaturate myself with information because I'm like, I had it very clear that this is a new human that I don't know and I have to get to know before I figure out, you know, how I want to approach things with her. But it was the only method that I knew of. I didn't know about anything else. And so I was like, oh, this must be what it is. Yeah. I mean, out of all the things that I heard the most while I was pregnant was the famous phrase, sleep now, sleep now. You know, you're never going to sleep again. You're never going to sleep the same. I was so annoyed when people would say that. I make sure I never tell anyone that because I just, I don't know. It's probably reality. Like you never really do sleep the same. Yeah, but we're all okay. Um, Yeah, but we survive. We're, We're fine. fine. I heard it so many times that I did maybe because of that became so scared mm. of having to deal with a non-sleeping baby or me being tired or me being having to go to work while I'm tired. And when I was younger, and I've talked about this before, I used to work a morning shift for a long time. So for like over three years, I anchored the morning show. So I was physically waking up at 2.15 in the morning. Oh. And I was at the station at 3.30 and I remember I had to function. I never really felt 100% because your body is tired. So ever since then, and this was like in, I think, 08, 2008. So a while ago to like 2011, I did that schedule. So I had so much respect and uh, love for sleep yeah. because of that schedule. <laughs> yes. I know. It's, it's true. I remember like going to... I, 
lunch meetings and people would talk to me and I'll be like, I'm so sorry. Like I'm, I'm here, but I'm not really like a hundred percent. So I lived and I knew what sleep deprivation and yeah. the toll that it takes on you yeah. physically and mentally, my skin is that not a healthy way to live your life right? Yeah. without enough sleep. So I think that combined with everyone telling me about how sleep, it's never going to be the same and you're never going to sleep. And I was just like, Oh my God, so scared. When I told my friend Anamadi, you know, that I was pregnant, the first thing she told me was, you need to get a night nurse, mm-hmm. you know? I had never heard of a night nurse. I fought it. I didn't know, you know, I had no idea how much it was, how expensive it was. Yeah. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm like, but why would I need a night nurse? Like, I'm not going to be working. I'm going to be home. I'm going to have all this help. My mom will be here. My sister could help me. Like, it's not the same. You need someone who's going to just help you, even if it's for just a few weeks. Um, and it's interesting because when we talked to Dr. Shaw, which is another doctor that we had yeah. on the show about postpartum depression and postpartum help, she mentioned how important it is to have someone, doesn't have to be a night nurse, someone stay in your house for a few nights to help you with that. So before obviously I gave birth, I interviewed and I talked to, I interviewed two night nurses and you know, it's expensive mm-hmm. and you're like, I don't, first of all, I don't know if I have the money. I don't know if I want to spend that money on that. But at the end of the day, I think my friend Anamari was so passionate about pitching this to me she's like look trust me and then my other friend Sophia who went through postpartum depression was like I got a nurse with a second baby and the difference was so dramatically beneficial to myself and to my baby because you know I was looking forward to being with the baby all day when you're Mm -hmm. you're home with the baby all day yeah you know you need a few hours of sleep or rest for you to be able to function better so ended up going with the night nurse but I didn't want to have her the first few weeks. So what I did was, because I wanted the whole experience and doing the first time mom. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a joint family decision. We're like, okay, we'll do this on our own the first few weeks. And then we'll have her come in like a month into it. Mm-hmm. Right? This is our logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like week number two. You're like, ah, where are you? <laughs> it was like, you need to call the nurse. But, you know, we did the four weeks. And like you said, you had to observe your baby I did read a book called 12 Hours by 12 Weeks, with a lot of people mock also because I like another pediatrician, not my another doctor in my doctor's office, was like, oh, you're the only mom that worked for. I'm like, okay. It has a lot to do with it. And I always tell moms, don't put so much pressure on yourself or your baby. It has a lot to do with how much your baby's weighing. Mm-hmm. More than anything is the weight and the size of the baby than the age, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, but he's already like two months. But if your baby's two months, but he's little and he's not consuming the amount of milk. So I did learn a lot from the book in terms of like what makes a baby, what could help physically a baby get through the night. And a lot of it has to do with feeding, how much you're feeding the baby, mm-hmm. not overfeeding, but how often they're feeding, how much the baby is weighing. Because if you're a certain weight, you're going to be able to consume more ounces. So it's a whole science and logic behind it that I kind of understood. So when the night nurse helped us, came to help me for a few weeks, I explained to her, this is the technique that I'm trying to use. I want to give him whatever ounces I'm giving him in these 24 hours whether it's breast milk or the bottom milk because I was breastfeeding as well, I want to be able to slowly like cut it off at the night until he's consuming the same amount of ounces during the day, during the day, only during the 12 hours that he's awake mm-hmm. and then be sleeping the other 12 hours. She's like, okay, that's perfect. That's kind of what I do as well. So she helped me kind of follow the same train of thought. Mm-hmm. Or methodology. Um, yeah, exactly. Methodology. And I kind of like just, you know, because it's good to be on the same page. You don't yeah, want you have to be on the same page with whoever's helping you. do you. something. So that's kind of what we did. I was able to just sleep a little bit and she will bring me the baby when I was mm-hmm. breastfeeding at night. And then when she was gone, because he was only, I guess, 12 weeks when she was done with us, by the time the baby was 12 weeks, 
I stuck to it. He was still waking up maybe a little bit, I think, for like the 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. bottle. But he was already sleeping from yeah. 7 to 5 a.m. So yeah. it That's was, a stretch. That's it, a yeah, long stretch. It's a long stretch. And it was great. But I was very disciplined with measuring and scheduling the feedings mm-hmm. and the bottles and the breastfeeding so that I keep track of how much he was consuming. And then little by little, I would just take one bottle or stretch windows between his last bottles at night. Yeah. The, no, so I did that. Sense. Another thing I did that was very, I don't know, you are, I don't know. And now I'm trying to like regress from this, but whatever, I'm sticking to it, was sleeping in his crib. Mm-hmm. So the first few weeks we had him in our room and, you know, because I was breastfeeding, he was close to us, whatever. And then when she came in, kind of calmly, we're like, look, why don't we, I had him in a, which is super too, uh, unsafe too, but we had him sleep in the dog tot like kind of um, swaddled inside the dog tot inside his crib. Mm-hmm. And then little by little, then we took off the Dakota. He was just alone with the swaddle. Then we took off the swaddle and we did the sleeping sack. Mm-hmm. I also had the snoo. And he only really napped in the snoo during the day. People ask a lot of questions about the snoo. Did you ever use use the snoo I did. actual I did, I did. I wasn't good at keeping track of the app, which you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. But I would place him there. And sometimes I would like turn on the snoo and he kind of like... So what the snoo does, it kind of rocks the baby. Mm-hmm. And it gives him a little bit of white noise. Yep. So it helps him teach himself to soothe himself to yeah. sleep. So I used it a I few times during nap times. But I never really used it the whole night. Yeah, Because by then he was already in his crib. So it helped a lot that he was accustomed to being inside his crib, inside his room. Since a very, very young age. So there wasn't really a harsh transition from like the snoo to the crib because he right. was pretty much in the crib very little and then after we got rid of the swaddle i did sleeping sack i'm a huge sleep sack love sleep sacks. um advocate and fan of it because it's very safe mm-hmm. and then i took out obviously everything from the crib it was gone it was just him and his sleeping sack mm-hmm. and that's it and even till today now that he's a little bit older he gets like a little like piece of cloth that he kind of bites into it <laughs> but that's it i remember my mom fought me for a long time because at some point he was getting so big and he was moving around the crib he kept hitting his head he was like can you please just put a bumper like mm-hmm. i guess in peru everyone has bumpers in their cribs and i was like i'd rather have a i mean even little here arm. there's like a lot of they, they still sell bumpers i'm like we had one for decor like yeah. when they did the the right. nursery they placed a bumper that looked gorgeous mm-hmm. on the crib but i was like no so i took it out the second he got out of the dog attack he was like a little bit more moving yeah. yeah and even till today i'm like i'd rather have god forbid because now he puts his arm through the holes a broken yeah. little arm than like a suffocating baby right yeah. so for me it was like a no-brainer I just took it out and i never put it back so yeah and then so my baby today today i think it has to do a lot with eating he eats very well and he's continued to sleep through the night great and what's his normal schedule like today now we'll put him to sleep like at seven o'clock he'll be fully in pajama fully in the sleeping sack and like we read a book we say good night to all everyone in his room <laughs> buenas noches elefante buenas noches you know luna buenas noches lampara buenas noches he has a routine. Kids are all about routines. Yeah. Oh, you know what else I did? I have to say this. After the night nurse was gone, and this was like maybe month number, he was five months by now. Mm-hmm. He started like kind of waking up a little bit like, ah, and he was fighting the naps a lot. I was struggling to kind of like walk him around or like cradle him or soothe him while to nap. He was mm-hmm. like crying and fighting and he would just get, you know, upset. So one of my coworkers recommended this sleep consultant. Mm-hmm. You know, a Venezuelan expert in sleep based out of Australia <laughs> and is an online course. I paid for the course. She did like one on ones 
And she, based on like how much the baby weighed, what he was doing, how the lighting was in your room, yeah. why new machines you were using, um, kind of gave you like a very personalized method or schedule and had to get him back on track. Again, he was never really fully off track, but it was just like little things that she taught me that were very, very helpful, like about the temperature in the room and, you know, the white noise machine. And and I've gotten a lot of criticism in terms of the white noise machine because some moms are like, oh, but you want him to get used to sleeping anywhere with any noise, you know, in the middle of a party, in the middle of a dinner. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, who the hell is going to sit here and criticize? I don't care who <laughs> no, no, you no, are, but But, but no. to my case, like the good thing about having a schedule is that obviously he gets through the night, he's fine. Now he's older, I could kind of get away with it. Does it limit you a little bit in terms of like, your schedule, right? So like on a Saturday, I'm like, well, I have a dinner or I have a brunch or I have a breakfast, but it has to be around his nap time. I still kind of stick to it because it's not worth it for me to get my child right. off if schedule. Right, if it's working for you and you, you right. can work it's around not, it. And now I could just walk around because now he sleeps in the car. He's in the stroller. He sleeps anywhere. When it's time to sleep, he'll go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing. But yeah, but the sleep consultant online, I mean, now that we have access to everything virtually, just to get a sense of like understanding, like there's a lot of things she explained to me about like the time of day, some type of hormones that gets released after a certain time or when the sun sets down, like... I'm a sucker for all that. I'm like, oh yeah. my God, that makes sense. Yes. And like by eight o'clock, like his hormone is released. So it's harder for him to go to sleep. So again, I don't know how much truth there's behind it, right. but it was helpful. And the fact that you have someone accessible that you feel like knows about the topic mm-hmm. for me it was more like a psychological, maybe it's a placebo event, right? Where I, I just the fact that I was able to send her a message and she will reply right away. Yep. Um, was very, very helpful for me. So you're saying his schedule today? His schedule today. So by 7 o'clock, he's fully in pajamas. Say goodnight to everyone. How, wait, how many naps does he take today? So right now, he's it's weird. He just changed like a week ago. Now he's taking two long naps. So one in the morning. So after the morning routine, he'll get up at 7.15 in the morning. I'll give him his bottle. Um, now he's been having swimming classes. So he'll do swimming classes, do all that, blah, blah, blah. Have breakfast at 9 a.m. Little eggs, yogurt, fruit. Then he'll play around a little bit for an hour and then he'll be napping around 10, 30, 11 o'clock. The latest, like 11 o'clock is already exhausted. So 10, 30, he'll nap for an hour, 11, 30. Mm-hmm. And then he'll play around again. And then again at 2, 30, he'll take a nap till like 3, 30, 4 o'clock. That's the long nap. Yep. And then he wake up at 4, 4, 15. And then he'll be bath time and getting ready to go to bed like 6, 30, 6, 45. Mm-hmm. 7 o'clock, he's fully dressed, in pajamas, sleeping sack, good night to everyone. 7.15, he's in his crib. Now he wants to see me when he's going to sleep, so I'll lay down next to him mm-hmm. on the floor. And he'll like sit in his crib, he'll talk to himself, he'll play a little bit. Sometimes if he's cranky, he'll ask for me to carry him a little bit. I'm trying not to, but otherwise he'll just kind of mumble around his little crib and he'll fall asleep. Mm-hmm. So Until- by 8 o'clock, I'm out of his room. Mm-hmm. And then he'll wake up at 7.15 again. So he's sleeping 8 p.m. till 7.15 a.m. I mean, knock on wood that he stays like this. Um, Do I sometimes, lately with the swimming, he started having little night nightmares, like like little cries at night. And sometimes he'll get up and wake up from them. Otherwise, he'll just kind of sleep through them. But like a few times, maybe like four or five times, I've had to like rock him to bed. And in those times, I just kind of like love to hold him. Yeah. When he was young, I, he used to always snap on me. I loved having him. I wore him a lot. Like, I mm-hmm. carry him a lot and I wore him a lot, especially during the day. So, I loved having him nap on me. Mm-hmm. 
now he's too big. <laughs> but no, he's like, so, I, know, I know. But even still, like, if he wakes up in the middle of the night, I'll like, I'll carry him and he'll fall right back asleep. But at least I'll rock him a little bit or hold mm -hmm. him. And everyone tells me it's so yummy when they co sleep when they were older, like in bed. But now I force him, like, I bring him to bed and he doesn't it's like hard. it. Yeah, it's he doesn't hard. Like, to he feels weird. That. He's like, what are you doing? Like, what yeah. are you? He just wants to sit up and play. Like, he associates my bed or any bed with just like sitting up and kind of playing around. Mm -hmm. A lot of my friends uh, or people that I know that did sleep training, like independent in their crib from the very beginning, when they want to try to like, you know, do some sleep yeah. cuddling, whatever, the kids don't want to do But that you know they're what used he, to it. What he does like now that he wants me in his room because he has like mamitis, I'll get in his crib when he's being like to be funny and yeah. he loves it. He like laughs <laughs> like, what are you doing inside my crib? But then he'll cuddle with me in there. Yeah. He won't go to sleep because he's used to like, I guess needs the space to kind of mm -hmm. tooth himself to go to sleep. But he'll like cuddle and like lay on me and like touch my face. I'll get out and then he'll go to sleep. Si no sabes que el Spicy McCrispy tiene spicy pepper sauce en el pan de arriba y en el pan de abajo, ¿qué sabes tú de la vida? Para pa pa pa. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de $25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Cassandra Sánchez Navarro junto a Catherine Siachoque y Verónica Bravo en la nueva serie de comedia original de VIX, Consuelo, disponible en la app de VIX, ya. As parents, one of our most important priorities is making sure we provide our kids with the best education and upbringing possible. For many of us, this goes even one step further since we often want to give them the gift of language by teaching them Spanish as well. Research shows many advantages to bilingualism, and experts agree on the benefits of exposing kids to multiple languages early on, citing that books are a highly effective tool for language acquisition. This is just one of the many reasons that one of our favorite brands for Victoria and Ford, Love Every, has launched books in Spanish, available to all Love Every subscribers as standalone sets. The Spanish books can be used to guide an individual child's bilingual learning or for story time in their first language. The books are created specifically for each child's age, including babies zero to 12 months, one-year-olds, and two-year-olds. The Spanish book sets range from $27 to $40 and are available to subscribers at loveevery.com. Get some or gift some today. My experience was rocky and not as kind of determined, I think, as yours. And again, for me, it was like, I was so obsessed. You had that, the, right? That, that was, was a like, big thing I need for you. To yeah. be able, I need to go to back to work in a few weeks. I didn't get that many weeks. I think I got like 10 weeks. Yeah. After 10 weeks, I had to go back to work. Yeah. I had to be able to function. I had right. to like perform at a certain level. I cannot be sleep deprived. So for me, that was like, if this means that I have to cut something out of my expenses to be able to afford this help, that was a very personal decision that we made as a family and that for us, that was priority. And yeah. No, and that makes total sense. I mean, I had six months really of mat leave and Juan was going to be out for three months or maybe four at the time so like we were how you didn't have the pressure the rush to go back to work yeah, at a certain schedule at all at all and I was like let me just enjoy this and you know 
take my time with whatever. I think the big thing for me was, you guys know if you have heard other episodes, you know I had a really hard time in my postpartum. I was very kind of taken aback by the whole thing and I didn't know exactly. I had a hard time making decisions, I think more than anything. So sleep was one of those big topics. I was constantly debating like, I'm supposed to be doing this because I think the sleep topic was the one that gave me the hardest time when it comes to like being influenced by social media, being influenced by other people that you see that had a baby around the same time as you and you feeling like inadequate, quite honestly, and constantly doubting whatever step that you take, right? So for me, I think it was like at least four months, if not maybe five months of switching things up for Victoria all the time because I was like, I should sleep train you but I don't want to, but it doesn't feel good for me, but whatever. And so like this poor girl, I took her back and forth between a lot of things, which was not ideal for her um, or for us really. I remember when we got home from the hospital, I had this feeling of like feeling physically unable to be away from her. And I mean away from her, meaning like if someone else was holding her, I was feeling a physical reaction of yeah, like. But they say that somewhere. Another thing before before mm-hmm. you continue, because um, I think this is important the details. So I was forced to be away from four because he was because in the he NICU was, yeah. for ten days. Yeah. So another thing that ended up being a blessing, right, was that they handed him to me on a schedule, right, because right. I was in the NICU with the nurse yeah. for ten days, and she kept them on a three hour schedule, was yeah. feeding him for three hours, whether it was on my breast or with the bottle. So when I came home, I kind of had to do a copy and paste of what totally. we have been doing for the last 10 days. Very so I think experience. those 10 days ended up being a little bit of, of an advantage to me and to the baby yeah. because I kind of much was like, when I came home, I'm like, listen, this is what they were doing. This is what the nurse told let's me to do. And that. I've been witnessing and kind of doing it with her mm-hmm. side by side with her. So let's keep it like that until yeah. I figure it out, you know? Victoria had a, a weight gain issue at the hospital, which is why we ended up staying another day. She... When I tell you that Victoria is two years old and until today, she has never, ever drank more than five ounces at a time in her life. Never been a big drinker. So all those things I'm listening to you talking about how like you were very specific with trying to get him to drink that same amount of milk during the daytime, during that 12 hours, whatever. Victoria would never do that. She never, ever wanted to drink more than she was a... what do we call it? Um, when you're a grazer, you know, there's some people, mm-hmm. even as adults, that like they don't eat big meals. Yeah, they pica, like to pica, just picantolia. Pica. That was her. I was breastfeeding. I was pumping. I gave her formula. I tried a whole bunch of different types of formula. She ended up having like a um, lactose sensitivity with all these different things that we went through. Yet never, never, never would she have more than three, four ounces at a time. Six months old, seven months old, one year old, never. So that made it really challenging to try to get her to, let's say, eat enough. If that were the case with her, she never wanted to eat enough. So we ended up doing what I don't recommend now because that is not safe, etc. But we did have her sleep in the docotot in our bed in the middle of us for the first. That's what we did the first weeks. Yeah, we did that for the first like four months. Then there were occasions where I tried to move her over to her crib and for a while we got her to sleep in her crib a little bit. But in the end, she would always wake up at some point. She always had a lot like almost like nightmares. Like she was a very alert baby. So from the very, very beginning, she was like watching you, watching everyone. Like nothing goes past this girl. So we honestly went back and forth with like a version of co-sleeping for a while. 
Then um, I think she was like six months old when I was going back to work and truthfully at work, a lot of my coworkers, you know, it's a tech company. It's a lot of modern moms. It's a lot of moms who love science like you do, you know, and I went back and I was again kind of tossed into the whole like what I'm doing this wrong. Like I'm an inadequate mom because I should know better. The science says this. Why do I have her in my bed still? It's bad to have her in your bed and all these things that you hear, but like you don't hear anything else. So you're just kind of like confused. And then I found a Facebook group that was called Biologically Normal Infant Sleep. This is a completely different perspective. It's a different kind of point of view and a different approach, which Pamela and I have talked about this a lot. Whatever you choose that works for you is fine. And there's different methods. And that doesn't mean one is right, one is wrong, etc. This whole approach is very much based on co-sleeping and based on a general type of upbringing where you kind of let the child lead. They're going to figure it out on their own. If you're hungry, you eat. If you're not hungry, you don't eat. If you're tired, sleep, etc. So for the most part, I kind of found that group to be a little bit comforting because a lot of the moms in there described a lot of what I still felt, which was a physical need to be close to my child. That doesn't mean that I don't want to go out <laughs> and have my own personal well, time all the time, which I, I do. When but. I was prepping for the delivery, the doula that I kind of like did the, uh, the courses with, she's huge on, first of all, where my babies. I think I wore my yeah. baby a lot because her influence on me yeah. was all about like, it's just mother nature. If you go back, cause aside from science, you have to go back to like what's natural natural yeah. for us like what's yeah. your instinct well, we're, we're animals like what's animalistic for us to kind of want to connect with our child mm -hmm. so I wore for it all day and when I mean wearing it's like you're carrying him like very close to like kind of skin, skin to skin to pretty skin much ish yeah yeah And she's a big advocate of the co-sleeping as well. Yeah. I didn't co-sleeping not because I thought it was wrong or I've heard of criticism. I just, one thing, I got very paranoid. Scary. It's scary. Super scary when you read about it. all the things about how dangerous it is, how mm -hmm. you could like, you know. Suffocate your suffocate child. Suffocate your child. You could yeah. fall asleep on them. You could like squish them. You could, whatever it is. I was just like, I don't want to take that risk. So yeah. it wasn't really mean to get him to sleep through the night. It was more of like, is this safe, safe. for me when I'm like either too tired or yeah. alone or whatever to be co-sleeping with my child. That's kind of like my mentality. Understandable. And when I started reading about co-sleeping, what's weird is like in that Facebook group, there were sleep training advocates, but like people who are like extreme advocates of sleep who like made their way into the group and then were like literally criticizing people in every post and scaring them and saying, this child died and this child died. And it's like, Okay, my consensus was my truth and what works for me will be somewhere in the middle. When Victoria was one, she still was waking up in the middle of the night. One time, a little bit, all she wanted was milk. So I found myself constantly going to her room, going to her crib, whatever. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to stop this anytime soon because I also know that for me to get her to stop waking up at night and stop drinking milk at night, it would require probably weeks of her crying me leaving her cry and doing that whole thing which is something that I was just it was not negotiable for me so I was like let me just transfer her to a floor bed like a Montessori floor bed that is twin size so that I can also be comfortable because I feel like I'm gonna end up coming here for a while until she's ready to not do that so I transferred her to a Montessori floor bed when she was one She was very excited about her bed. She loves her bed. I love her bed as well. I would say in the last year or so, we've gotten to a really good rhythm where 
Half of the time, she doesn't wake up, and the other half, she'll wake up once, and she's very specific about what she wants, which is just me. Having said that, even when people are like, oh, he's just waking up once, waking up in the middle of the night, anyone who goes through this probably knows, it throws your whole day off. I don't feel that. I'm totally fine. Like, I don't wake up exhausted. I don't, like, so my body So wake so, up, like, at three or at one? Or sometimes like, she'll wake up at, like, two or three or whatever. And literally, like, she just goes, mama, mama, mama. And I walk over there. I get into her bed. And we literally get into, like, a, a and you just go back position to sleep. immediately. I often go back to sleep before she does in her bed. And we wake up around sometimes 8 o'clock, sometimes 8.15, sometimes 8.30, sometimes 7.30, like, whatever. But we wake up whenever... We both feel like it's time to wake up and and it's great. It's not great for Juan, obviously, because he, not that he wants to hang out with me. <laughs> he wants to be in her bed. Like he's pissed about that. I know. Like, he was telling me that he's like, I wish she would want me because yeah. I'm willing to go and cuddle with her and sleep with her and like kind of help Karen out. Like he's like, she wants Karen. Yeah. So sorry. Okay. So but, now if you were to have baby number two, would you do it the same exact way? No, 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 because as I mentioned before, I was so back and forth for so long. I think I would just figure out what I want, whether it's, you know, a form of early sleep training, which I'm open to, or co-sleeping from the beginning. I, I don't know exactly. But I yeah, know that to, this, I, to make that decision five, six months into it, it's a it's, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it was a long time of like just freaking constant back and forth and feeling super inadequate and feeling not confident of being able to take a decision that was really important for my child. Plus, she wouldn't eat enough. Plus, she fought me at every possible nap. She's never been a good sleeper. She's never been the type that loves to sleep. Never, never, never. This child was born, like I tell you, <laughs> eyes wide open. She was like, hi, everyone. I'm here. I have arrived. She dropped her second nap right when she turned one. So ever since she turned one, she's only been on one nap. And it's one hour a day. That's that the, that's all we've wow. got ever since she was one. Today, she will still sleep. right before dropping this last nap, Ford was sleeping three naps. He yeah. would do the morning, which yeah. is like 45 minutes, something to an hour. Two hours. That's amazing. Midday. Yeah, 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 and then yeah. he'll do like one. Then he dropped, the first one he dropped was the late one, mm -hmm. which is common. They said it's common for him to drop. He was doing maybe like 20 minutes, half an hour. Now yeah. he, it's gone. But he extended the morning one to like an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah. And then the after afternoon is usually an hour and a half to two hours, but two hours. Victoria, at most, will sleep an hour and a half now. She gets one nap in the middle of the day. Sometimes she doesn't need it. Sometimes she just will skip the nap. She'll be fine. She'll go to sleep at her normal time, which is nine o'clock. And then she wakes up at like eight. I do have to say that I do believe in the fact that if the whole theory about, oh, they're so tired, they'll sleep more. No. No, My that's child, not real. That's yeah, not real. The more he sleeps during the day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the better he sleeps at night. Mm -hmm. So people are like, oh, just let him sleep a, night, no, a nap. He, I'm like, no. Yeah. For me, naps are so important because if he's well rested, he's in a good mood, he yep. eats better. I 100% agree. And also the food and the sleep connection is so strong. Like mm -hmm. depending on how much you're eating, how they're eating, yeah. um, has a lot to do with how they get through the night. Totally. So, if, and if again, for eat. this moms that deal with like the <laughs> reflex or like stuff yeah, like that, and they, I would say prioritize his feeding and his, mm -hmm. you know, what he's consuming before even thinking about sleep or sleep training or any of that because it's all connected. Yeah. Even like the kids that have that they have to do the surgery to the tongue. The, when the they tongue can, tie. The mm -hmm. tongue tie. All that stuff, if, you, if you're struggling with your baby, first look at like, 
He's just yeah, struggling with anything well-being and or consuming growing. your milk from the, you know, latching on or all that stuff. Like all that obviously takes a toll on the baby and the fact that they could get sleep through the night. So yeah. I do want to say though, like what I have found at least, and this is just my kind of interpretation is that in the, let's say Western culture, right? So like more than anything, like in the U.S., there's a very, very strong culture around almost like pressure, like society pressure to sleep train and do things in a certain way, et cetera. And I know that it's really hard to feel differently in the middle of that. I think there are actual society-based reasons for it, which is the fact that there is no maternity leave like mandated in this country. So like it's a privilege to actually be able to stay home with your child yeah. when they're born if you have a job and not lose your job. So I do think that that has something to do with it. But it's interesting when I've spoken to a lot of like family in Latin America or family, people that I know in Europe, et cetera, or other parts of the world where it's not so big, right? And where if you talk about something like co-sleeping, it's actually more so the norm than sleep training. And in that group, in the biologically normal infant group, that's where I started to realize it, where it was like people in Asia, people in India, people in Europe, people in Latin America, like everybody, it's very, very common to do this until whenever your child is kind of ready and they're fine without you. And again, you told me this one time because when Karen told me this, I wanted to faint. And I was like, what? You're co-sleeping with your child? Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. But she told me, oh, there's, there's a way to do it in a safe way. And yeah, people, there's, you a follow, safe there's a you, safe seven. seven. You yeah. have to follow these certain things. So we don't want anyone going out and trying no, something no, no. that is not safe for your, your child. As Please. always, speak to your pediatrician. If you have doubts, your pediatrician might not be open to it either. Um, my pediatrician was, she's like, if you want to sleep train, that's great. If you want to co-sleep, that's great. If you co-sleep look up the safe seven and that is kind of your guidance on how to do it all right so um, with like the type of mattress what you have around it like what you wear like and also your well-being so if you're a, a mother that maybe you know if you have issues with alcohol or a smoking mom there, there's all these other things that you have to also take into consideration oh going back to this doula my you know my mm -hmm. friend I can't wait to get her on the podcast because she has so much insight and just anecdotes and like explanations that kind of make sense. Going back to the whole, I guess, our ancestors, right? Yeah. The fact that we are supposed to be raising children in a village, yeah. like the tribe. Yeah. They're saying that obviously the cold sleeping because just the infrastructure where you were raising your children was in an environment where you had to be keep your children safe from the animals. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's safer. Yeah. I know. Isn't that yeah, interesting? Yeah, yeah. So that's why you mothers tend to just co-sleep naturally with their, on them or with yeah. them for them to feel safer and for the moms also to be able to get some rest and feel safe. And the fact also that you're part of a tribe, right? Mm -hmm. So if you were out to look for food or in that, that time whatever you had to do you had other women who were part of the same tribe that would help you mm -hmm. what you were getting some rest or what you were doing certain things so I, I do think it goes back to the fact that we're supposed to be doing this jointly as yeah. a community I know yeah. some people don't have family yeah. or don't have friends or don't have the help that they need that but make it so much if more you feel lonely and overwhelmed it's normal because we're supposed to be getting help mm -hmm. right so I, I always put that in perspective because it's important that not to feel like you're failing yeah because you're not accomplishing certain goals or you're certain not meant things. to do this all by yourself you're not right it's not Period. in our nature to no, do it on it our own it's not in our nature it is very unnatural to do this by yourself and that is why someone can maybe feel really bad depressed or feeling like i felt inadequate right you're not supposed to do this without help 
And I think it's okay once your kids get older, if you want to take just one day off, I always say like, what do you want to do? I'm like, remember, I'm like, I just want to stay somewhere else and sleep because when I sleep in the house, even though my child's always sleeping and not going to he sleeps through the night, it's never deep sleep, yeah, right? Because you have yeah. to feel that you're not going to hear them or that you're going to miss something, that they're going to need you. So it's never like that deep sleep. I only deeply sleep when I'm away. I know it sounds horrible. No, but when it's I'm away true. and yeah. someone else is watching the baby and I just I'm able to a little bit disconnect, mm-hmm. you know? So it's okay if you need to take a few days and try to like get away with like your husband or whatever yeah. like on your own or yeah, do like yeah, a spa yeah. day to kind of like recuperate all those hours that you haven't rested. So yeah. So there it is. That's There's, our sleep episode. That's our sleep episode. And you have any questions, maybe we'll do a live yeah. the day that the episode goes live so that people could ask us more questions. No judging, please. <laughs> yeah, no. Don't. No, but I think people are curious to see, okay, what you do, what worked for you, what didn't work for you. And this is kind of like us being honest and sharing um, our experiences. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Sweet dreams. Get some rest. <laughs>